Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Break Room Boys. I'm Nate, and that's Lucas. Hello, hello. And we've got attempt number three to try to get video involved here. Um, so hopefully that's going to work out. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath, but we've actually got it plugged up to power this time. If you've listened to our last two episodes, you know that we've had a dead battery uh, derail us twice. Yeah, pretty early into the episode. Um, one of them made it like 20 tw- minutes in, yeah. and the other one made it 40 minutes in. Those were two separate batteries. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at, at this rate, uh, two or three more clips, and we'll have a full episode we can put out. Uh, won't be continuous. There'll be clips from different episodes, but uh, we can just kind of mix them together and see what we got. Um, yeah, and then we had a situation where, uh, you know, we just, we're cavemen. We just get in here and press a button and record. We don't think much about like file management or storage. Uh, so we attempted, luckily we didn't get very far. Probably you got five minutes in. Five minutes into this episode, some Super Bowl recap before we realized we were not recording uh, as, our, <laughs> as our memory card was full. So I think we're rolling now. We got video going, audio's good, it's being recorded. Yeah, yeah there's a, the number's ticking up, so we're good. Yeah, dude. Just, so so like let's, let's fucking, get into it then. We're, we're like kindergartners in here just, <laughs> just fumbling around. Uh, but yeah, let's try it again. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure everybody that, that watched the Super Bowl that gives any sort of a damn about it you've you've already read the recaps you've heard podcasts do it you've you know the whole nine yards we're a little late to the party Uh, we had valentine's day this this week so uh things got pushed back a little bit so uh we're doing ours on thursday of the week after the super bowl which means we'll probably put it up tomorrow or saturday so yeah it'll it'll be up tomorrow uh again yeah you've probably already heard your recaps however you get it sports center podcast whatever uh, if you watched the game, uh, you probably shared the same opinion as us, and that it was an incredible game. One it was of the, unbelievable. One of the best Super Bowls that I've watched. Um, two quarterbacks that that did not, you know, uh, fall short of expectation. Uh, two offenses that looked amazing and are, you know, in a, in a pretty high scoring game. Uh, yeah, and and it was just overall entertaining. Um, you know, we can get into the things people are griping about, whether the field or the officiating, but. Uh, even given anything you want to pick apart, I think this was just one of the best Super Bowls, maybe one of the best just NFL games I've watched in a long, long time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So where do you stand overall? Like, what what is your kind of perspective on how you think the game was officiated? I, I definitely think um, – I, I haven't even looked at, like, the total penalties and total yardage. There wasn't a lot of it called, uh, which is, I think, what you want to see in the Super Bowl, unless there's I agree. an egregious, you know, holding face masks, things that are kind of obvious. Uh, they kind of let the boys play, and, um, you know, we can – we'll sort of analyze the call, the defensive holding call made at the end of the game. The secondary, I, I think both in the NFL and in college, um, is the thing – it tends to be the most like ticky tack that it gets called a lot if there's any contact, but you get further into the season and you see less of those calls. You don't want to see games decided by, you know, a million pass interference calls or, um, or whatever the case, defensive holding. Um, overall, I thought this this game was called well. Um, I, I know there there weren't any DPI calls, if I remember correctly. There was the one defensive holding, which was obviously a big one near the end of the game. But uh, overall, I thought it was a, a physical game. They let them play, and like I'm never going to complain about that. You know, in, no, in, in I, a Super Bowl or a playoff game. You know, I, and I totally get why Eagles fans were upset by that. Yeah. that holding call at the end. But overall, I I agree. I think they let the guys play. 
Um, most of the penalties that you saw were offsides or false starts, things like that. Um, weren't even a lot of holding calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they did just kind of let the guys play, and it turned out to be a spectacular game. I, I think you could point both directions and say there were missed calls on both sides of the ball, but I would rather have missed calls than just – a flag fest every call yeah but you know anytime there's contact nobody wants to to see that and um you know every third and long a ball's thrown up and it's a pass interference like that that's just not enjoyable for anybody um yeah eagles fans definitely have a gripe you know about the the call on bradbury well, the do they? The game uh I, we'll get it we'll get into that a little bit because later, you know yeah. just based on what we just said because of the way the game was called um you know it was a, a it was loose as far as the officiating in the secondary. Yeah, again, not a flag every time there was contact. Um, so I, I get the fact that they can point at that play and be like, what, you know, what was different about this play at this point in the game that made you throw the flag? Um, I, I, it, it does. It was, you know, a bit of a debacle for them since James Bradbury said, "Hey, I did commit the yeah, penalty." He was like, that's... "I held, uh, you know, I bumped him, I held a bit, and then I took the jersey when he started to separate, and he did." Easily could have, you know, not been called, but I, I guess was the correct call, and he even admitted it. Um, and you know that led to a tweet by Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, which we we haven't talked about yet on our yeah, recording, but um, yeah, I do get the you know the the Philly fans being upset about it. It's at a huge point in the game where it's a third down play. The Chiefs they were in field goal range, right? They probably would have just oh, kicked yeah, there. They're on like the fifteen yard. Budker's line. a very good kicker. You figure he'll probably punch that through, and then the Eagles had a minute and a half to either answer with a field goal or potentially win with a touchdown. They end up not getting the ball back for more than right. 10 seconds. I think so. I think that's the yeah. biggest I think that's the biggest point to talk about there is you know, whether the call gets made or not, um, you know, I, I think if you're a Chiefs fan, you're saying they made the right call. If you're an Eagles fan, you're like, even if that is the right call, you can't make that call in that situation. Sure. Uh, the Eagles were down to two timeouts at the time and had to burn all of them. Uh, you basically went from a situation where the Eagles would have had one timeout left and gotten the ball back with probably a minute and a half, just under, just shy of two minutes uh, to answer. And, man, we would have all loved to see how that would have played out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks. Like, it, it, it sucks that that's what brought the game to an end, that, you know, the Chiefs were able to milk the clock down to, like, 11 seconds left and kick the game-winning field goal. Um, Jerick McKinnon with the heads-up play to slide short yeah. on the one and not, you know, not score and give the Eagles time to answer with a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, I, I just think overall I, I don't feel like it tarnished the game. I think it, it robbed us of what could have been potentially an overtime situation yep. or, or a late uh, Eagles touchdown to, to take the win. But, you know, it, I, I say it's kind of water under the bridge. I, you don't know for sure that, that determined anything. No, the Eagles could have gone three and out or thrown a pick. I, you know, the way that game was going – the back and forth nature of it, I I would have watched that game go on forever. I would have loved if the Eagles had one more drive and could send it to overtime or win it right there. Uh, but I, yeah, I agree with you in that you know that call didn't ruin the game for me. I it, I look back on it just as fondly and it just you know as a, a neutral observer, not a fan of either team. Like I said, one of the most enjoyable Super Bowls that that I've had. So yeah, um, yeah, all in all, incredible game. Definitely lived up to the expectations. Uh, and you know now we have to cope with the fact that football's over. Yeah, I didn't really want to. I didn't really want to think about that, yeah. but yeah, it's over, man. Um, 
Except XFL does start this weekend. I mean, I think the USFL is back too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they're they'll be back uh, more in the springtime. So mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I would imagine you're probably going to have some overlap there. And let's be serious. That's not great football either of those leagues but it's football it is that it gives us something to watch when typically all we would be doing is watching other sports or paying attention to recruiting news um so i can't complain too much about it you know at least we've got some sort of pigskin going on but um anywho let's get into the game breakdown just a little bit you know we've we've touched on a few big key things but uh kind of want to go a little more in depth um obviously we started off Hot out of the gates. Both teams start with an opening drive touchdown uh, immediately at 7-7 with, like, almost no time expired, it felt like. Yeah. And everyone, you know, it's in the air. It's like, this is going to be an all-timer. It's going to be so good. Yeah, that it would have really sucked if both teams went like scoreless for the next like two and a half quarters. <laughs> if, what, if it happened the way that we thought it might, where uh, it was kind of two punchers feeling each other out. Yeah, I, and I thought there'd be points in the first quarter, but I was yeah, I, I, not necessarily confident, but I knew it was a possibility. Uh, again, just with the nerves of the Super Bowl, or you know, just feeling each other out. Uh, you know, each of them have had a long time to study each other. It might take each offense a minute to get the ball moving, and we were completely wrong. Both, <laughs> both offenses just came out of the tunnel, fucking ready to roll, like they'd already played a series or two. And um, yeah, Eagles drive down and score. Eagles score. Chiefs, Chiefs score right after that. Eagles get the ball back. Jalen Hurts throws a bomb, forty-five yards to AJ Brown in the corner of the end zone. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sick. And that was just the beginning of what Jalen Hurts would continue to do the rest of the night because turnover-free football, he had like 380 yards passing, one touchdown. Oh, he, had the one, he had the one turnover. He had, he well, he had no interceptions. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he, he, he did have a key fumble. But um, one touchdown through the air, three on the ground, first mm-hmm. time that's ever happened in Super Bowl history. Um, and when they ran that goal line set with their O line and him, like probably the strongest quarterback in the league, uh, it's unfair. It was just a rugby scrum. Like, dude, <laughs> yeah. you don't. No one stands a chance in short yardage against that. Uh, and they're a force. Like, and and uh, I, we said this in our our failed recording a few minutes ago. You did. Um, in case there were still any questions about that Philly offense heading into the game and. How for real were they? I, they answered that question pretty quickly on their pretty those soundly. first two drives. Yeah. Pretty soundly, yeah. So, uh, like I said, Eagles go up 14-7, quick fire touchdowns right out of the gate. Um, Chiefs get the ball back, three and out. And you're like, well, damn, now you're putting it back in this hot offense's hands. And, and you know, we went from going this could be an all-timer to in the span of three drives, now we're wondering – Man, are the Eagles going to start to blow them out? Yeah. Immediately, Jalen Hurts has that key fumble that we just spoke about. Yeah, kind of fumble six. Yeah, inexplicably just kind of loses the ball. I don't think he had been hit yet. Um, pops right into the Chiefs' defenders' hands. Easy walk in, and that's huge for Kansas City. Um, you avoid going down two scores. You even it back yeah, up. Yeah, that's a that's a potential fourteen point swing. Yeah, yeah. In a game where they were down by ten at the half. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of key in on that as, as one of the bigger plays of the entire game. Um, and, you know, after that, the Eagles get the ball back, over seven-minute drive, get down the field, take a 21-14 lead. And then 
where things really felt like the wheels were about to fall off was when Mahomes had his ankle rolled up on shortly before the half. Mm-hmm. Uh, that did not look good. I, I looked I looked you in the face, I think even before the Eagles got the ball back and, and kicked a field goal to go up 10, and I was like, shit, man, like not feeling good about this this Chiefs money line bet anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, if Mahomes could walk, you knew he was going to stay in the game. The, obviously, being the Super Bowl, and, and he's a tough dude. He's shown he can play through pain. Uh, we didn't see it in real time, but I've since seen, you know, the clips of him coming off, and he was like, writhing in pain like he was like well and we both looked at each other after that happened and i had asked you i was like have you ever had a a bad high ankle sprain and you said yes do you remember in college when we played basketball and i rolled my ankle twice in like a two or three weeks yeah two or three weeks span and yeah that second time my god yeah yeah uh, we've both yeah we've both had bad high ankle sprains and you know like just Living day-to-day life, like putting a shoe on, going for a walk, like anything, hurts like hell. I remember when I had my high ankle sprain, it, it, I was probably two weeks into my recovery, um, still still a little swollen, still a little purple, and um, I, but I could walk just fine. Mm-hmm. Like it, it didn't hurt to walk anymore. I stepped on an acorn and just turned it just the little slightest bit, and it hurt like I just did it. Yeah. And this guy just a matter of weeks ago, had a horrible high ankle sprain. Had a guy land on top of his his leg. And then to have that happen again, like, I just knew that, I just knew the pain that I felt in the past, and I was like, I don't see how this fucking guy, first of all, stays in the game. Second of all, performs at a high level after this, a high enough level. Well, you know, he he had uh, scrambled a bit or had some rollouts, a couple rushes prior to that play. Yeah, he looked fine. And it was like, man, he's really, you know... Like, when you have a soft tissue injury like that, yeah, you think you're in the clear, and then, like, yeah, you make a – it tweaks or you make a sudden movement or change of direction or or weight gets put on it, and it's, like, right back to square one again. And and he had looked good out of the gate. It's like, all right, he's going to be able to move around enough where it's not too big of a hindrance for him. And then that happens, and he limps off. And you see him on the sideline. He's not even putting weight on it He's anymore. Writhing. He's seated on the bench, like visibly in pain. And I'm sure they shoot it up again, rewrap it or whatever, uh, you know. And he guts it out and was a step slower from then on, but, but was you, still just able to get through it. I'll know? say this: you had a lot better of a mindset going into that second half than I did because I looked you in the face and I looked our other buddies in the face and I was like, "This game's over." Like it, the, I just I don't see it happening, yeah. and I think it was Danson that said, "I mean, dude, we saw we saw the Patriots come back on a twenty twenty eight three deficit. Like, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. Crazier things have happened." And I was like, "Yeah, but Tom Brady had two working legs at that point. I don't I don't think it's happening, man. Like, I just I don't see how you overcome that." Yeah. Um, boy, was I wrong. So we'll get into the second half now. Um, Mahomes immediately comes out of the locker room, looks great, like as if nothing happened. It it certainly helped that the Eagles couldn't get through to him the entire game. Never touched him. Yeah, I mean, who but, knows? It, one bad hit in the pocket could have changed things completely. And uh, credit to the Chiefs' O line, who was yeah. maybe short sold a little bit, like probably a little underrated, and maybe they just played an outstanding game. There's no doubt they did. But, so yeah, they did a great job. Protected him all night, and he was—it yeah. was never an issue whether he was going to get hit again. Yeah. Know. So first, first drive out of the locker room, 
touchdown Chiefs. Yep. 21-24 now. You're like, okay. They're literally right back in. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, now I feel a little bit better, but we'll see how the defense plays. And then the first play of the Eagles' possession, a little swing pass out to Miles Sanders, fumble, touchdown Chiefs. You're like, oh, my God. Like, this – this is going perfectly. Like the script has flipped, everything's looking better, and then they overturn the call. Yeah. And I think that is one of the the things that you can look at from that game with the officiating where I felt like they made the wrong call. You, they made the, you think that was a catch fumble? I think it was. I, I think he made enough of a football move that, that that should be considered a catch. And it's, I know, bias it's, aside. Yeah. And it's been talked about this whole what is a catch and what's not and what it's. Like it's, it's still it, convoluted. It's like pornography. You know it when you see it. You know, it's like it, I can't tell you what it is, but I can show you. You know, and that one was so borderline. Like that was. It was I, about as close as it gets. It really because he did catch the ball. He certainly did. But it, it he took he. I don't even know that he took a step. He he, he took or, he took a step. Like here's where my mind was. Like I don't have a problem if that call is is a. You know, you, you call it incomplete on the field, and and you review it, and you uphold it. I well, get you got to let it play out on the field because if it is a fumble, sure. you take away the touchdown. I was just shocked that they in. that they saw that replay, the same replay we were watching at home, and said that's that's conclusive. Yeah. Like that's that's an incomplete pass. I did not agree with that. Um, I really didn't. So, but you know, again. Overall, the officiating was great. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really complain too much about that. But after that very key overturned call, the Eagles go down, and eight minutes later, they uh, they kick a field goal and go back up 27-21. Now you get Mahomes back on the field. And, again, like, you're, you're sitting here wondering. You're like, okay, he looked good for that first drive. He went and sat down for a little bit. How's that ankle doing? Just picks him apart. Yeah. He and Pacheco just – pick them apart, run up the middle, you know, swinging it out wide. Juju Smith-Schuster had, like, on that one drive, he it was like four catches, 35 yards. Um, it was, like, equal to what he had done the whole playoffs before, up to that point. Maybe the whole season. Like, the dude has done basically nothing all year. Yeah. And, I, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you might watch this and say, like, you know, go check the stats or something. Like, Juju Smith-Schuster has not been – not a, a key, key contributor. He has not yeah. been a key contributor at all this year. Sure. Um, not on the field, but social media, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and that certainly continued. But uh, Chiefs go down, go up 28-27. Um, quick three and out. Quick three and out for the Eagles after that. Um, and then the punt return. The punt return takes place right after that. 65 yards, longest in Super Bowl history. Immediately down to the Eagles' five-yard line. And um, I feel like that's the point where I went from this could happen to, oh, shit, this is going to happen. Yeah. It, it can uh, – in these big games, it can be a defensive play or a special teams play. But it's like a tangible thing where you feel the momentum shift, whether it was going the other way or it was still kind of neutral. And I feel like we were at that point in this game where I don't know that momentum leaned either way. I felt like both teams could have come out with the win and that punt return – I think got the whole Chiefs sideline like in the headspace that they were going to win the game, um, especially after coming out of the tunnel down ten at the half. It's like, all right, we need to do what we can to to get back in this game, and then you're, you're immediately back in it. You have a huge explosive play like that, and it just kind of like ignites the whole team, you know? Yeah, yeah, and 
I mean, credit to the Eagles, too. When you feel that momentum swing, a lot of times it's, you know, for anyone that's played sports and for anyone that's been in these key situations where you feel like the momentum has kind of flipped on its head, it's harder to perform. Like, it, it's tangibly harder to go out there and not be a head case. Yeah. And the Eagles just came out and said, fuck that. Like, we're still great. And and we're gonna we're gonna respond and they did and that's forty five yard dime yeah and that's Devontae Smith. yeah and that's huge for a team who uh, whose M O we talked about it was to get leads early in the game and just run the ball downhill and they don't have a ton of come from behind wins this year uh, they led most of the games that they won and uh, the entire game and so neither team coming into the Super Bowl had faced a deficit in their playoff run yeah hadn't happened and even in the regular season the Eagles played you know comfortably won a lot of games and so um, I mean naturally you just wonder how they're going to respond of course yeah the the Chiefs clearly responded to their 10-point deficit now can the Eagles flip that flip that around Mm -hmm. and overcome an eight-point deficit and like I said Jalen just drops a, a dime right in Devontae Smith's hands, 45 yards, uh, gets it inside the five-yard line. That's the one where they just lost him in coverage, right? Yeah. He just went fa- uh, streak down the sideline yep. and uh, catches it yeah, down inside the five. Quick touchdown right after that. Jalen Hurts punches it in with the, the rugby scrum and then two-point conversion. They roll him out late. Yeah, yep. they, they roll him out late, run the old Tebow left, and uh, he just powers his way in. And uh, that, I mean, that Philly fans, I, I can't imagine what a roller coaster of emotions that game was to be a fan of either team. Um, but at that point, yeah, it's Philly's like, like we are not going away quietly. We're fucking. We're finished. down and out and like, holy shit, now we're tied. Yeah. yeah. Immediately. Uh, then obviously Mahomes comes back in and he's Mahomes still spreading the ball around. Pacheco's breaking off big runs um, and they go back up. Uh, and that's that's when things kind of got a little goofy, and that's that's when uh, you know you had the holding call, um, and it, we've talked enough about it. Um, you know, it, it sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, so you know, I, I think when it all comes down to it, how we can really sum this whole thing up is, first of all, Patrick Mahomes could not be denied. The the Chiefs. Second half adjustments. I don't know what it was that they did. I don't know who decided, like, let's put someone in motion, like, every single snap and throw this defense off. Um, I don't know what the hell that O-line shot up that day to be able to protect him that well. And, you know, we had kind of mentioned the the field slippage a little bit. Um, We can talk more about that here in a sec. But, man, it was – it was just really impressive to see the Chiefs come out and they they scored on every single drive in the second half. Yeah, they were not every be, single drive. They were not going to be denied, and uh, they just found a way to to get it done and, and so efficiently too. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Mahomes had the huge run in the second half, um, but he was he clearly got hurt in the first half and and we don't know how much that limited him physically but it really didn't matter he was getting a clean pocket from that o-line and he was making throws downfield he also had you know you had mentioned it before our recording cutoff that was his longest run of the year yeah if i'm not mistaken on, uh, yeah. on a fucked up ankle yeah i mean he was fearless uh really both offenses just played they didn't play scared it was like all right we have to answer that's what we're gonna do and um but yeah, such a clean second half from that Kansas City offense, and 
Mahomes is just the guy where if he has to get it done, like there is no question, uh, he's going to get it done. And um, it was a tough night for the under and also any uh, individual prop bet unders. Because, like, everyone we talked about in our previous podcast, I'm pretty sure every player had over the receiving number, over the rushing number. Kelsey oh. actually ended up under catches or yards? Yards. I think he had eight catches, though. I believe you're right, but he, he so he did hit the under. Okay, yeah, um, yardage wise, he ended up no. He only had six catches for 81 okay. yards. Okay, so he was I had he was under, under both. I had him under 85 and a half yards. I think he had 81 yards, like in the third quarter. And yeah, I was like fuck, fuck this man. Like, yeah, uh, and then there was the. Uh, I mean, I feel like every other player had over whatever their projected yardage yeah, or think, catches was. I think Pacheco. And I had mentioned that I was going to take the Pacheco rushing yards mm-hmm. uh, over. It was like 55 or 58, something like that. Um, he ended up with 76 yards, and I was super pumped about that. I was like, "Look at, look at, look at that! Like, let's let's fucking go." Uh, somehow my bet didn't go through. Oh, so good. so yeah, that that was just money left just on the table. Just for funsies. Um, but yeah, uh, overall, fucking awesome Super Bowl. Super entertaining and. To be honest, everything that's happened since the Super Bowl has been almost equally entertaining. Yeah. Um, you had kind of mentioned the Juju Smith-Schuster tweet. And for anyone that didn't see that, um, it was not received well by the Eagles players, um, as it shouldn't be. And, y- you know, you've got a guy who – big social media guy, big TikTok guy, uh, can't keep his mouth shut. He- he's – He's gotten in trouble in the past for like dancing on other teams' logos, doing TikTok dances, and just like Kyler Murray got put on the Call of Duty restriction. Uh, I think Juju had a similar like TikTok restriction where it was like, "Hey man, we like first and foremost, you got to show up and practice and play. Yeah. Uh, that's like your number one job, and then you know maybe in your free time, you know, put out whatever videos or tweets you want." Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And by the way, um, if you're gonna do that, don't piss off the other team, but. Yeah. You know, I, I guess this is after the game. So the the tweet that we're referring to, Juju Smith-Schuster posts, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, with a meme. It's like a little Valentine's card that says, I'll hold, I'll hold you when it matters most. And it's got Bradbury on there. And I, I personally, um, I love watching guys chirp at each other. I think it makes sports like so much more entertaining. Like in this age of, of social media, yeah. And we've talked that... about the pros of you know players being more willing to do that to to chirp at people, not just other players, but but anybody who who comes at them online and uh, the way it's it used to be perceived as only a negative, and now it's like, hey, this is kind of funny, and they are people too, right? Know? But I think the reason I I had a problem with it, and the reason that I did was. You know, it'd be one thing if Bradbury had come out in his presser after the game and said, I didn't fucking that hold was him. Bullshit. That was bullshit. Yeah, yeah. All this. He fessed up to it. He was like, you know, I, I thought I could get away with it. Um, people shouldn't be pissed about this, basically, is, you know, what he's kind of saying. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I held him. Like, it sucks, but. Yeah, and that's you know. exactly what I was going to say. He handled and it, you know, as, he, well, as well as you can. As, as yeah. well as you possibly can. And from everything that I've heard since then, like, that's kind of the guy that he is. He's he's not a big talker. He lets his play do the talk. Uh, he's a nice guy. And then you've got Juju, like, trying to be funny. And it backfired very quickly because A.J. Brown saw this tweet. And A.J. Brown's clap back just about put Juju Smith-Schuster's entire existence six feet under the, the core of the earth. Um, 
First off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. <laughs> he admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was. But congratulations again. KO. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I mean. You can't get called TikTok boy and bounce back from that. Yeah. It, 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 and he, I think, like belittled him even more by being like, "Congratulations to your team, the 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 teammates of yours who contribute." <laughs> it was like, you know, the first of all, you guys are great. You deserve the win. You're a you're a bitch boy. He's <laughs> <It's> like always <laughs> filming himself. Uh, he's like, you don't get to talk that shit. In Juju's defense, he actually had a a really a good, good game. Super Bowl. Yeah, he, he had, had eight a good catches game. for fifty three yards. Again, especially I mean, like for his standards, he had a, he had a great game. Yeah, but uh, AJ Brown. Obviously, had a better and, game, is a better player, and the way again, he didn't even come out throwing insults immediately. He was like, "Congratulations to you and your team." He sandwiched the insult between two congratulations. So it was like, not only do you look classier, but yeah, you kind of just killed the guy. <laughs> yeah, very gracefully. And everything that everything that everyone said after that was just pure comedy. I mean, you had so many Eagles players jumping in. You had guys jumping in that are not even Eagles players, NFL, just NFL guys across the league being like, fucking thank you. Like, somebody finally put this guy in his place. It's so fucking annoying. Um, I've always – maybe I shouldn't say always. When Juju first started all of his, like, social media activity, I thought he was kind of a likable guy. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is a fun guy. Like, he, he does stuff off the field and, like, gets fans engaged and all this stuff. I think that we can all agree, though, it went a bridge too far where he starts dancing on logos and he's, like, talking shit and all this stuff. And it's like, you're you're not that guy. Well, it, again, yeah, I mean, we have a level of, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt or forgiveness or whatever you want to call it. When the guy, like, the better, it's a sliding scale. Like, the better the player is, the more kind of shit you can get away with. Um, but if you're not producing or living up to your contract or your draft, stat or you know what whatever you feel like you're not giving the value to your team you should it's like hey man shut the fuck up on tiktok (laughs) you know uh it's a sliding scale you know if you're good enough you can get away with it but uh obviously he's rubbed some people not just you and i but like he's rubbed some other players the wrong way and stuff clearly from the reaction that aj brown got stuff and and his reaction to that was kind of sad he was like i'm glad you got that off your chest or, or something like that it's like Dude, you can't clap back to that. Like, I would just ignore it. Yeah, honestly. I guess you've got to say something because if you if you don't respond, you kind of concede defeat. But <laughs> whatever you say is not going to be enough to come back from that. But other than that, we had some uh, some victory parade antics. You typically see some of that, whether it's guys on a hot mic or uh, you know someone after a few too many drinks. Um, my favorite thing that happened though was Chief Safety uh, Jalen Watson. Did you see about that? Yeah. Where he, uh, there's videos of him just like slugging back Henny uh, on top of a double decker bus. And I don't know if he'd been pouring some out for other people and that's why the bottle was so low or if he had kind of cashed that himself. But he had a seven, 750 milliliter bottle of, uh, of Hennessy. And the video that I saw was him mouthing to someone in the crowd that was clearly telling him to chug it. Like, I'm fucked up right now. <laughs> and he immediately then goes and turns the bottle up. There was like maybe a fifth of that fifth left. 
Um, and then the next thing you see is a is an image of him in a wheelchair, <laughs> yeah. a wheelchair being wheeled out by police and event staff. <laughs> he drank himself handicapped. <laughs> <laughs> I always think because you hear stories, right, of like legendary Super Bowl parties. And I can't even imagine. I, I'd like to just be a fly on the wall, you know, much less participate. And I, I've literally had the thought. I think maybe Rosillo was talking to like uh, um, Damian Woody or some guy, or you know, yeah. and some talking about the Patriots parties or some former player. And you know, it's funny because they're like, man, from what I can remember, it was a great night, you know. But they're all just so high on emotion and adrenaline, and you're physically tired and banged up. Dude, I don't know if I could survive uh, a part. Like, I mean, I'd be going out just like Watson on a on a stretcher or a wheelchair. Like, I mean, completely put, incapacitated. Put the average person in the situation of a Super Bowl winning player's position, where you've made millions of dollars for the year, you now have at least a month or two before you really need to start getting back in shape for the next season. I was going to say. Like, you have no responsibilities other than, like, I'm about to party my fucking ass. There would be dead bodies for for anyone that's not, like, a professional athlete. Yeah. They just look like Stalingrad (laughs) in the the hotel room or wherever they went. I wouldn't survive. Um, No. Uh Super Bowl victory or not, the NFL offseason is fucking sweet if you're a player. Oh, like, man. you get a break from playing football. Oh, and a long one, too. Yeah. So, you look at you look at sports like, so, professional soccer, for, for one thing. I look at professional soccer, and I'm like, if I could pick a sport that I could go pro in, soccer's the very bottom of my list. Because, first of all, those guys, they, they make a... They make a fuck ton of money mm-hmm. but i don't know when they get to spend it because if you look at the soccer calendar like whether it's um whether it's your club team that you're on whether it's your national team um and and even with your club team you're playing in different like you know you got champions league and all sorts of other things like these guys maybe get like a month or two off every year like i feel like every year the epl like that's the one that we kind of see the most of yeah. the EPL ends and then it feels like in the snap of a finger it's like oh they're back like they're starting the season again it's like an eight-month season it's like baseball but more physically demanding right you know, aside from maybe pitchers but yeah it's uh and it, at least with baseball you go from like uh beginning of November kind of uh, yeah. I guess for the teams that make the World Series yeah. to you know April March is Mar- when spring yeah, training starts. They probably a lot of them report like February. So right. yeah, I mean But even still, like you get a few months there to just kind of chill. Like yeah. I feel like with soccer, you never ever turn it off. With football especially though, and I guess it's the sport where you definitely need the most time to recover. <laughs> those guys get such a long off season. Like they can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, so you've got you you've got that um to look forward to. And then also you just won the Super Bowl, so like you not oh my god. Not only do you not have to, I mean, because it, it's not even like getting fucked up after like just a big win, because you got practice in a couple days, you know, uh, or at least film the next day, or you know, a, a lot of guys get Monday off if they win or whatever. But you got practice, film and practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
you're done. The night of the Super Bowl, dude, it's the offseason. And you just won the biggest game of the year. Like, yeah, The I mean, biggest game in pro sports. They would have to pump my stomach and drag me back to life <laughs> like after after a night like that. So, I mean, yeah, good for Jalen Watson. Like, I think he's he's one of us. Like, he, I, I can definitely empathize with the guy. Yeah, um, I would – I'd probably need some on-field CPR if, uh, <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, dude. I'd be drunk before I hit the tunnel. Oh, sure. I mean, just the beers from the locker room and champagne or whatever. Um, that's got to be. I mean, I can't imagine. Yeah, just the the stories guys have from those nights and um, just how much fun that is. But the one other thing I wanted to touch on with the Super Bowl uh, because we've seen a lot of talk about it since then, and we we mentioned it a little bit, but uh, Sodgate. Sodgate. Yeah. So, for anyone that's not aware, um, the guy that's kind of always been in charge, well, I say always, for the last several Super Bowls, he's kind of in charge of making sure the, the playing field is, is all good to go. Um, this guy rolls out a new type of grass, like a new type of sod yeah. for the Super Bowl. And they were lauding it, saying, like, this is awesome. Like, th- this, this playing surface is about to be unreal. And what did you see the entire game? dudes hitting the deck like it was honestly an embarrassment it was it was embarrassing how terrible that playing field was on on the biggest stage um but a lot a lot of eagles fans and people across the league that aren't chiefs fans are pointing out this guy's the guy that laid the sod um is a lifelong chiefs fan yeah and um the chiefs players might have had a little heads up because if you look at the statistics of, of times where guys went down um, on each side of the ball, m- whether it's one or multiple people slipping and falling, um, it was much higher in the Eagles' direction. They, uh, I, I think at least one Eagles player slipped on 30-something percent of dropbacks. As opposed to, I want to say— 14% yeah. for the Chiefs. Which maybe you can explain this better than me. I I know the guy was an Eagles fan, or a, excuse me, a Chiefs fan. He had, uh, I I guess you know been the groundskeeper for the Chiefs primarily. Like over, I know he's like ninety four years old. So he's been in the game for a while. Um, and I had read a little bit too about why this was necessary because of the grass in Arizona. Uh, it's dead this type of this time of year. Whether mm-hmm. it was like rye or Bermuda, I, I can't remember. But um, they did need to. You're not going to have brown grass for the Super Bowl, you know. They're going to find a way to make it look nice. Um, so I I kind of get why there was need for a, a, a new surface. Um, but maybe you can explain to me, like, aside from just knowing that the field might be slick or it might be certain conditions, once the game began, like, I don't really understand how the Chiefs had that much of an advantage. I, I see the numbers, and I like. Obviously, dudes on both sides were slipping and falling a lot, but like once kickoff happened, like I don't know how it benefited the Chiefs that much. I guess the only thing that that makes any sense to me is if because you if play you, a few plays and then it, you realize, well, like you, right? Yeah. But like if you're a conspiracy theorist, the, the the thing that you can point to is like okay, if the Chiefs knew going in, then the change of cleats at halftime or whatever had to take place for the Eagles, um, they could already know going in that the field is going to be this way like that that's how it's looking like 
whether intentional or not, like be prepared for that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what people are kind of pointing to, especially when you compare the statistics of things. They didn't have to adjust to it necessarily. They already they didn't adjust to it. They they had adjusted to it before the game started. That that makes sense. And like, I don't, I don't know how the Eagles clearly played pretty well. I mean, like it came down to the the last possession. I like, I, I do see some like a valid argument there, but also the support staff like within the NFL the Eagles defense could have played one drive and been like hey like we need like shit needs to change here and the equipment staff could have had them all new cleats within you know the second drive I think what you can boil it down to is this um unless the Eagles win that game they're gonna find some sort of scapegoat and that scapegoat got taken from them when Bradbury said, I held the guy. Yeah. They've got to find something to latch on to. That's sports fans in general. For sure. That's and, not and just Eagles fans. I don't, like, th- you, I don't even you, think this is a baseless argument. You and I, um, you know, every other year Alabama has to go play at Auburn. And I feel like every fucking year the field is just soaking wet, like regardless of whether <laughs> rain has happened in, in East Alabama or not, their field's always a sloppy piece of shit. <laughs> and, like, you can always point out a couple plays, especially if Alabama loses, that's like, hey, what the fuck's going on with your <laughs> with your field? Uh, and so, yeah, you're talking Super Bowl, uh, you know, the biggest game, the biggest sporting event of the year um, by any metric, viewership, revenue, whatever. Uh, you'd hope to have a good playing surface. So I do totally get the the argument, but I think I agree with you. I, they're the only way we weren't going to hear about it is if the Eagles won. Right, yeah. exactly. So, you know, I I don't know if there's going to be any developments in this. I would assume not. I think it's, it's probably going to be people yelling into the void. Um, is there something there? Is there not? Like, I don't know. I don't know. We had a hell of a Super Bowl, though. Yeah. Um, an all-time classic of a game. Two two quarterbacks just duking it out, and uh, you know who you could argue is already maybe the second best quarterback of all time ended up winning the game. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I don't I don't want to pay too much attention to that, and then you know give that too much credence. But I did feel like we needed to talk about it a little bit because it's it's certainly been mentioned quite a bit since then. Oh yeah. But uh, anyway, that wraps up our Super Bowl talk, uh, our sports segments. Let's get into some news segments. And I wanted to start with, man, like, what in the fuck is going on in the U.S. or the continental, the the, the continental North America lately? With our skies, you mean? Yeah. And and the uh, unusual objects floating around in them? Yeah. I mean, it started with a Chinese balloon, which they said was like a, a civilian thing. Just happens to be the size of three buses. Yeah, yeah, it was massive. Um, I love that that was our measurement scale, by the way. It was also 60,000 feet in the air. Like, the thing was way up there. (laughs) Um, It was big enough, though, that people could see see it it. from the ground. Yeah, and it got shot down over over Myrtle Beach, of all places. (laughs) Like, I think it was Spencer Hall. It was like, what a... That thing went down the way we all wish to go down, 60,000 feet above Myrtle Beach, (laughs) shot out of the air by an F-18. It it traversed like the entire continental United States before they finally shot it down, and I I get why they waited as long as they did. There was concerns about the debris what, field from that thing. This, yeah. this yeah. thing is landing on people. Yeah. Probably not a good thing. Um, of course, that's all been politicized, but a little weird um, for sure. And China's response to it was also quite weird, yeah. where they were like, "This was this was totally unnecessary. I don't feel like you should have done that." It's like. You said it was a civilian thing. Why do you care? Yeah. 
Whoa! There was it's, a, it's they, floating over over fucking like very important Air Force bases and th- and things of that nature. Like, what do you expect to happen? It's a you, you put a balloon up there. Yeah, China was basically like, dude, calm down, <laughs> bro. Why are you chill out? Making such a scene. <laughs> Um, you know, if that was China, though, they'd shoot that thing down over Shanghai. Like that, that oh, yeah. thing would land on a skyscraper, land on a on a daycare. <laughs> They'd be like, <laughs> whatever. We hey, had to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, that drew a lot of criticism. As it, that's one of my favorite critiques. Like, not you know, armchair quarterback or armchair coach or whatever. We're all guilty of that. I love when people play like armchair commander or they think they like they know what military decisions to make as if we understand anything about airspace and the ramifications of shooting something down like over a population. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was all silly. And then since then, it's gotten really haywire uh, where you've had multiple different unidentified objects shot down by U.S. jets over Canada and the United States. Yeah. And my only reaction to that, my only question is, what the fuck is going on? Because no one said anything. <laughs> we have no, we have no idea what's going on, and nobody in the government is giving us any answers. And it's kind of concerning. I think it might be uh, like a, a, a decoy, like a false flag. I think they, they might be getting us all to look up in the sky. Meanwhile, they're like tunneling into the U.S. Capitol, like <laughs> they're boring underground. That's where the the advancements being made. I don't know, dude, but I like I don't recall this happening in my life, not to say it it hasn't. I know like some UAVs and stuff have been caught over US airspace and whatnot like by sure. Russia, China. I know it happens. And some of it we probably don't hear about that happens. But uh 3 times in a week or two is pretty insane. And I know the other ones weren't as large as the Myrtle Beach balloon, but they were like still like noticeably large and high up in the air. Um, and and also like we, the thing, the thing with the the thing, the balloon that got shot. And we knew it was a balloon. We don't know anything about anything else that got shot down. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like I'm one of the. I'm I'm probably about as far from that as you get. Like I, I think that people that spend all their time online like concocting theories are crazy. But like when you give me no information and you're like it's unidentified, like we we can't really say what it is. What the fuck? Like, what What am I supposed to think? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are we going to find out what it was? I I'm hope like, so. Well, yeah, well. But um, then on top of that, in the same calendar week, you've got the train derailment in Ohio that we, I, okay, I say the same calendar week. It wasn't. We didn't find out about that. Most of the U.S. public didn't find out that this highly toxic, carcinogenic, like, bundle of fucking uh, the chemicals and shit that are on this train gets derailed and, and blown up by the government. <laughs> we don't find out about that until like 13 days after it happens. Because nothing's being reported. Yeah, I, I maybe saw tweets and videos and stuff from, you know, people in the area, like civilians in the area being like, hey, I live in this town in Ohio, like East Palestine or whatever it is. It's like, uh, this is what's happening right here. Like, I don't know why nobody else knows about the it. The fish are dying. My livestock is dropping dead. And they're saying everything's cool. Dude, the air quality, uh, like on the Weather Channel apps and stuff, like was still showing normal, like in the oh. days after it. Oh, that's good. Still showing normal. Like, I don't know if that's just the, like, you know, 
their technology is the worst of all time, like their Doppler radar, whatever the fuck they use, like to measure air quality. Or it was, you know, they were told to just like bullshit it. Again, I'm not a, really a conspiracy theorist either. No chance that air was normal quality after what we just saw that black like mushroom cloud <laughs> form over like middle Ohio. Uh, and now we're like people that, you know, have read about it and understand like the effects of, you know, the chemicals that are in the atmosphere now. The reach is massive. Like it, it spreads down into the area we grew up in North Alabama, and like all the way up into the Northeast, uh, pretty far west from Ohio as well. It's like, dude, this is potentially massive ramifications for yeah, like wildlife, drinking yeah, yeah. water, whatever else like you want to say, air quality. Uh, and then it's like, we just, I've never, I've just completely swept under the rug. Yeah, it's 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 a little concerning. Yeah, um, I. You know, I don't understand these things. I don't know if it's actually poisoning drinking water coming from the Ohio River yeah. and all the tributaries from there, whatever. I know that that river supplies a lot of water for a lot of the United States, as you just said. Um, it's it's weird, and I can't wait for the Netflix documentary on it because they're going to find – they're already on the ground with Netflix cameras interviewing anybody that will talk. Certainly, dude. Um yeah, there's, there's going to be some, some babies born with extra limbs and, <laughs> and orifices and whatnot. It'll look like Hiroshima, man. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll keep it moving, though. Not going to get too much into the uh, conspiracy theory topics, but uh, we've got everybody's favorite congressman, George Santos, in the news as well, um, as he tends to stay. So for anyone that doesn't know who George Santos is, uh, he's a congressman. He won his election, uh, and then afterwards it turned out that every, basically everything that he said about his life, his credentials, uh, his education, um, pretty much anything that you could put on a resume is all completely false. His life had been falsified, basically. I think every, every bit of, of history and accomplishment we, that he we had. We might have even spoken about this on a past podcast. But, I, I don't remember, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's just got a laundry list of... Um, just insane lies where you look at it and you go like, how did you think that you were going to get away with this? Like how you actually thought no one would look into your past. You're a fucking congressman now, but he's now in the news because uh, it turns out he might've stolen some puppies from the Amish. Uh, Big, big no, no, don't do that. Um, (laughs) And I saw this news headline and I was like, so the guy that lies about everything is now stealing puppies from the Amish? I mean, that that's like uh, a joke we would have made. It's like, what's next with this guy? Stealing puppies? You know, <laughs> what, did he kick an old lady too? That'll probably come out like next week. Yeah. Um, the guy's literally, yeah, yeah, he's lied about almost anything that's, you know, been made public or he's, you know, made people to believe. Um, and now, yeah, he's, he's stealing, uh, you know, Uh, purebred dogs from Amish communities. Yeah, so it turns out in 2017, um, he might have stolen some puppies from some Amish people in Pennsylvania, uh, which is where they tend to reside. Mm -hmm. Um, The report noted that multiple bad checks totaling more than $15,000 were written in his name to the breeders. Days later, he reportedly held an adoption event with his (laughs) charity, Friends of Pets United, which is since defunct, by the way. Can't find it anywhere. It no longer exists. Uh, I literally wrote a fake ad 
about a like a similar situation where you rent a puppy to pretend it's yours just for social status and and cachet. No, he, and he didn't rent them, but he he just he wrote a bad. Them. He stole them with a bad check. He committed larceny. And it was like we're these poor puppies. They need homes. They need their forever home. They're like. These look like they might look. They might come from the same litter. They would be perfect for a photo op, and then <laughs> you know to be auctioned off or given away. Um, yeah, that organization no longer exists. Who knows what happened to these poor dogs uh, and these poor Amish? Hopefully that you know they got their settlement. Um, yeah, he just lied and said someone stole his checkbook too, um, and was like, yeah, I you know that could have been anyone who bought you know fifteen thousand dollars worth of puppies. So there's. The, the the great the, thing about stealing from Amish is they can't look you up. They can't call you. Uh, I, I may have told this story before, but a friend of mine growing up like had a river house where they had this beautiful big front door custom made by like the Mennonite community in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They fucked up the specs. They messed up the dimensions. The front door didn't fit. They had to write them a letter and oh, tell wow. them they fucked up. So the whole process yeah. <laughs> took like my So, yeah, these guys were probably like, you know, he's like, I can lie to them and just never – get caught it'll never bite me in the ass yeah picking on the fucking people that don't use technologies <laughs> yeah come on man i mean i guess if you're gonna pick on anybody that's the most obvious target but yeah you, if you're a con man you look yeah. really you look really shitty uh the funniest thing about all this is like this this little charity that he ran like i mentioned it's defunct it, there's like no proof that they ever did anything worthwhile like ever I have he, a feeling, Nate, it may not have been legitimate, <laughs> believe yeah. it or not. He he has claims that he's, like, helped rehome, like, so many thousands of different pets, and it's like no one can actually verify that. Yeah, you could. You could and be- these charities are now no longer existing, so. Yeah. Hmm. I've gotten literally millions of blowjobs. Literally. Millions. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy, I mean, he also didn't really care if you can dig it up and prove him wrong or not like he's shown he will just present whatever is fact and uh you know until it gets you know proven otherwise pretty publicly so our other news story that we've gotten in, in uh in the headlines now is an arizona man we don't talk too much about arizona man we've had arizona in the news quite a bit lately we had the super bowl at the same time as the waste management open was taking place um i've uh i think i'm gonna piss my pants i gotta take a little break real quick okay Let's pause this. Yeah. And we're back. Uh, sorry, we had to have a little potty break <laughs> Had to there. go tinkle. Sorry. Uh, but, yeah, uh, fuck George Santos. I think that's clear. Uh, oh, no, sorry. We had already started talking about Arizona Man. Yeah. Um, apologies, folks. But uh, Arizona Man is in the news. Um, we had a, another Arizona Man. I don't know if he's actually from Arizona, but at the Waste Management Open, uh, we had – Mr. Nineteenth Hole, uh, did you see all that? The guy that ran on the hole, at, uh, ran out onto the green at the sixteenth hole at uh, TPC Scottsdale. I did. Yeah, I thought you were going to reference another Arizona man. I am. Okay. Yeah, I did see that guy though. And we've talked a little about the Waste Management Open. It is essentially just. Uh, it is the pinnacle of golf outside it, of it is, the four major. It is golf's Talladega. Um, where you just have a plethora of drunk whites and just <laughs> out in the sun. And really drunk. <laughs> and they're fired up for some golf shots, dude. I would put that on my bucket list, but I won't just because 
I see how early people have to show up for it. And the running of the bros, they call it, when the gates open and they get to sprint to the... the that looks cool. Like, yeah. I, I'm all about that. But you literally have to show up at like 4 a.m., something like that, to get in line, to, to get into those 16th... 16th uh, hole rafters. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. Cool. I also don't know what the seltzer selection is looking like out there. It might be mostly beer. Good and point. Maybe as someone with celiac, you know, be sneaking in flask. But those gentlemen show up at 4 a.m. and they appear to start drinking not long after. Yeah, because uh, I mean that's just one of the drunkest crowds in sports, definitely in golf. But we had a guy that ran out on the course uh, in a pair of underwear or a speedo. Uh, danced on the pole at uh, the 16th hole, and then he immediately runs out, gets through the tunnel, gets away from security, belly flops into the pond next to the 17th hole. He made it, I mean, that's probably a good quarter mile. Mm-hmm. Um, so props to that guy. But no, the, we're he, talking well, and about... He, he laid down and fucked the hole. He put his dick in the hole. Did you see that? I I must have missed that part. He somehow. didn't really do that, but that'd be I, pretty I was about safe. to say. Um, but no, we, we're talking about a different Arizona man. We've got a guy that was actually interviewing for a job with the police station um, in Maricopa County. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, I'll say this. When you're in an interview situation, a lot of times you'll uh, you'll say things that you look back on and you go, eh, I don't know, I should have mentioned that, like that maybe didn't help my case. Like, I, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. Um, yeah, you're trying to be human, but but you can be, like, oddly forthcoming sometimes. Well, uh, this guy definitely is, uh, he's regretting some things that he said in his interview with the police department. He mentioned uh, he's got some child porn. And I'll, I'll just say this, he didn't get the job. Did you did you read? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. He, he did not get the job. They, they ruled him out. Um, and we've talked about felonious police officers before, uh, you know, committing a number of, of different crimes, um, you know, selling fentanyl or stealing evidence uh, or whatever the case. Uh, yeah, this gentleman, he's 25 years old, admitted during a polygraph to having child porn. And you're that's, like, that's what I have questions <laughs> about. So... <laughs> Are they asking you that specific question That's, on the polygraph? Yeah, is that question number seven, or did you just word vomit so did, much? Did you deviate from your answer that you admitted that? And if that was the question, did you fail the polygraph and then go into details? Because he told them in detail, like, yeah, I go to websites where you can watch this stuff, well, and yeah, I've got a USB well, drive well, with, well, like, thousands of well, first, images. Before, well, bef- before that, it says... He admitted the guy was twenty five years old. He admitted he still had sexual videos of he and his ex girlfriend from when they were teenagers. And you're like, okay, weird. You know, you're twenty five. You should probably have that deleted by now. But I don't think you're like the biggest weirdo in the world for that. You know, whatever. Probably clean up your whatever it's in your email, your whatever phone. Um, but you're like, if that's all the guy's done. He's a weirdo, but maybe he's not, you know, a huge piece of shit. I get that he shouldn't have the job. It is technically child porn. But then you keep it. That's not all that he's done, though, as you no, just hinted to. Very clear. He There's was like, a lot more. It's not only that. I also have a USB drive and a laptop with many videos with children as young as like 12 and 13. Uh, 
And it's like, all right, that's a whole nother level of, of what we're talking about here. So, yeah, believe it or not, he didn't get the job. But not only that, a police report is filed. Um, they go and search his home and find files on his computer with pornography with children aged between 5, five and 15, 15 years yeah. old. Um, so not only do you not get the job, you are now residing at the location of your hopeful job uh, in a jail cell. So way to go, buddy. Yeah, that interview did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot imagine, dude. I've had I've had a bad interview here or there where you, you step out of it and you go, ah, that didn't go as well as I planned. Oh, yeah. I'm probably not going to get the job. And you find out you didn't get the job. Like, well, shit. I cannot imagine... Coming out of a job interview and going, well, that went poorly, and then you end up arrested, <laughs> yeah. facing mean, is... felony charges. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude! That's a new level that I've never considered. He probably did not leave the house thinking <laughs> that was going to be this the outcome of of this interview. Just imagine this guy's morning. He's like getting all like amped up. He's like, this could be the this could be the gig. Like, yeah, this what... is my this is my foot in the door. Like, I you know. Here, here's my first step towards my my career path. Like I'm fucking yes. fired. What's up. his last name? Salaya. He's like calling. He's like Officer Salaya. He's calling himself. He's practicing. <laughs> he's like he's got a nice ring to it. And the next thing you know, he's handcuffed. <laughs> his freedom is is, is over. Um, yeah, man. What a turn of events for this guy who's just trying to get a job, trying to become a public servant. Child porn is not funny. I think it's the furthest thing you can probably get from funny no uh, but a man who but, walks into an interview this, <laughs> this is so hilariously poetic like the fact that you've got this creep out there that's i've never been able to wrap my mind around it there's a few things in life sexually i've never been able to wrap my mind around foot fetishes is is a top dog um and and child like child attraction like i i can't I cannot even begin to understand, and those are clearly two completely different things. But yeah, man, I'll... like being attracted to either of those things, I'm like, how do you even get there? And like to act on it too, like you've got to be a really fucking evil person for sure. So I'm I'm super glad this guy fucked up this just monumentally. Like, oh my god, I. I don't think that anything could possibly go worse than that, and I'm so glad it did. Like, fuck you, dude. Thank God, yeah, they have a question in there that weeds out <laughs> child predators. Man, I was, I was, I was looking, I was looking on Glassdoor about their interview process, and nobody mentioned that they asked that. Yeah, I did not see this anywhere in the <laughs> in the reviews. Um, My recruiter did not tell me to prepare for that question. Yeah, cops. Um, we we criticize policing a lot, you know, understandably as we should. But uh, clearly, they have some uh, some measures in place. We don't know. I don't know how common this is. How many guys do they get off the street interviewing that 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 have child porn <laughs> readily available on their personal laptop? I would hope not many. Um, well, they got the they have a question about it in a polygraph for a reason. <laughs> it's there for a reason, dude. But how, it also made the news. How so. many times has this safety net caught potential <laughs> predators before they could put on a uniform? Man, I don't know, but uh, yeah, monumental fuck up. I would say this to anybody out there: uh, be prepared for any question. But um, if that's one of the questions that's going to trip you up, I hope you fail it. Mm. Yeah, really quick before we get into uh, your your previous experience, do you beat your wife? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> How often do you hit your wife? Have you it's ever like, strangled a puppy before? Uh, uh, you just melt down. <laughs> it's like we <laughs> brain just cuff short him, circuits. Cuffing boys. Uh, a pretty brilliant interview tactic. All right, so uh, that covers our news segments. I, I don't know how much further we can go with this, but uh, now we, we head into our favorite segment of every week, our favorite subreddit. Today I fucked up. Uh, today we've got a guy who fucked up by asking his wife for a paternity test, and uh, I'll just tell you right now, it did not go well. Oh, no. I just saw a, uh, I, I just saw like a stand-up bit. The other day, or I forget who the guy was, but he was like, he was like, my brother got a vasectomy, found out the hard way it does, doesn't always work, and it can make your baby black. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. All right, yeah, yeah what, what happened to this poor chap? So, uh, let's just get into it. This didn't happen today, but a few weeks ago, my wife of four years gave birth to our first child last year. Both my wife and I are blue-eyed and light-skinned. Our baby has a darker skin tone. Over the past six months, his eyes turned a very dark brown. I had my doubts. My friends and family had questions. That's shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Your your friends and family are like, dude, are you sure that's yours? Like, I, I need to know background. Like, has there been questions about, like, things that she's done beyond that? Like, or is it just like, that baby don't look like it's yours, dude? I turned to my friends and family. They all agreed my wife is a whore. (laughs) (laughs) I asked my wife half-jokingly one day if she was sure the kiddo was mine. She stared daggers at me and said, of course he is. I let it go for a while, but I still had a nagging doubt. So right after Thanksgiving, I told her I wanted a paternity test to put my doubts to rest. She agreed. A few weeks ago, I came home to an empty house. Wife and son gone. On the bed, she left the paternity results. And a petition for divorce. Kid is 100% mine. Now I will only get to see him weekends, and I lost the most amazing woman I have ever known. That did not turn out like I expected at all. (laughs) Whoa. Um, The power of genetics, man. (laughs) Total randomness. Uh, Oh, my God. You talk about a backfire. Like, yikes. Look, man, I, I somewhat get it because we have... We have had instances where things have turned out the other way. Like you, you've you've got that sneaking suspicion, and it turns out like no, that kid's not actually yours, and you've been paying for the child of someone else. I mean, and, if your kid doesn't look like either of you, then it's like totally in the realm of possibility. Like I, I think I'd say more often than not, it's because it's not your kid. Like I would have put money on the opposite result. But at the same time, if you don't have anything that you've questioned in the past, which this guy doesn't mention any past questions of, like, is there some infidelity? Like, is she doing things behind my back? He's just like, the kid doesn't necessarily look like me. And I told this story to uh, to Mary. Like, I read her this. And I was like, this is what we're doing tonight. And she goes, it's actually quite common to, to have your kid, like, especially in the first couple of years of life, to, like, not necessarily match y'all's features. How it tends to work out is over time they start to match them more. Yeah, yeah. Like the the skin will lighten up or the eyes will turn turn blue from brown or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, that's that's really fucking rough. Um, 
I would say like you've got it coming to you if you have had no questions about anything, if you've got this woman that is apparently the woman of your dreams, the best woman you've ever met in your life, like but if you have any questions, if if there has been anything that's led you to believe maybe there's something going on behind your back, then it's a question that you've gotta you gotta make sure on. Yeah, and you're gonna let those doubts like take over and get the best of you. You know, I wonder how many sleepless nights this guy had just like pondering. And then to find out it's your kid and your wife is gone. That's worse than, I think that's, yeah, that's like even worse than the reverse where you're like. I would agree. I would absolutely wholeheartedly agree. Because now it's completely on you. You're the asshole who did this. Like, you know, even if you had reason. uh, Yeah, you just look like a dick and you were wrong and you, you know, broke up your marriage over it. Um Holy shit. Yeah, that that sucks for that guy. We have a friend who uh whose dad had a vasectomy. Um and then her mom got pregnant. And it Which was is more common than you'd hope. For sure. It's a, yeah, uh, agreed. Uh after a procedure like that, you would hope that things stick, but um it does happen. It's definitely not uncommon, but uh I think that resulted in a paternity test and it was a bit contentious and it was his kid but uh i think that's a different i i think that's a different circumstance though (laughs) if if you have had a vasectomy and your wife gets pregnant and you ask for a paternity test at that point i think that that's at least enough of a concerning thing to where you ask a question and it deserves an answer yeah it's like we weren't weren't supposed to be having a kid why are you having a kid right so like if you know, at, at that point, if you're the woman in that relationship, you're the mother, and you get that question, it's like, okay, well, it makes sense because there's something that would lead them to that question. But if you're this woman, and it sounds like there's nothing that would lead them to not believe you, and you're just like, because they don't necessarily have the same features, like, out of the gate, fuck you. Like, I, I don't blame her. Yeah, I get it from both sides, honestly. Um, yeah, I get the guy for being suspicious. Uh, we don't know the extent of their relationship, like you said. But, um, yeah, I also get her, who, you know, in retrospect w- was correct and was in the right and was just telling the, the truth. just the best fucking mashed potatoes you've ever ate the last, like, a couple nights ago. And now you're asking me for a paternity test? Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I fucking... I, I do your fucking dirty laundry. You can't even make the fucking turkey for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And two days later, you're going to ask me for a paternity test? Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this guy's life is really taking a turn for the worst. Yeah, I I certainly feel for both parties. That's that's a rough situation. Um, I can't. Years from now, the kid's gonna be like, "Like, Daddy, why did or Mommy, why did why did you guys get divorced? Like, why did you not stay together?" It's like, because you didn't, you don't fucking look like me, kid. <laughs> you do now. I didn't think you were mine. <laughs> you were a dark baby with dark eyes, and I had questions. The funny thing is, you would, you do now. <laughs> yeah. um, everything checks out. Yeah, you're now. You got the same personality, and like you respond to the same things. And you look like me. We're but spitting like, in. I had a now. question at the time. Yeah, but when you were eight months old, you were your skin was olive at <laughs> best, and yeah, daddy had questions. Um, it's all your fault, basically, is what I'm saying. 
So I always like to leave you all with some advice. My advice this week is if you're going to ask for something of that nature, make sure that there are some, uh, some background doubts. Because uh, otherwise, you could be out on the streets with no son and no wife. Yeah, compile some evidence before you accuse your significant other of something so so large. And dastardly. Yeah. But uh, that wraps up our episode this week. Um, we will potentially have a YouTube. I'm going to stop saying it. I'm going to stop saying it. It'll happen when it happens. So like, we'll, we'll have a YouTube account up eventually. We'll make things I can't happen. imagine the number of people who keep checking every day, who keep checking YouTube. Break like, where voice. is this YouTube channel? Well, I can't imagine the number. It's probably like five or less. But, hey, um, anyway, y'all have a great week. We will have this episode posted here in the next day or two, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Thank you.